I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to On Brand with Alf and me, Rory Sutherland. Each month, I'll be talking to household names as well as challenger brands about success, challenges, and future opportunities in the advertising, marketing, and media industries. And today, I'm joined by Jasper Martins, Chief Marketing Officer at Pension B, uh, the online-based pension provider. Now, first of all, I've got to congratulate you, by the way, Jasper, on a fantastic logo. So I thought I'd just Jasper sitting in a studio with a uh, their logo straight behind him, and it's a really wonderful uh, uh, bit of design. So I just couldn't couldn't resist saying that. But Pension B was launched in 2015 to enable customers to take control of their pensions after their CEO had encountered difficulties switching provider using traditional platforms and financial advisors. They now have more than 211,000 customers. And at the end of June this year, their revenue jumped by 32% to £10.9 million. In the year to the 31st of March 2023, Pension B invested £6.1 million in advertising, its largest advertising budget on record. So perfect timing to welcome Jasper in our podcast. Jasper, welcome to the podcast and actually welcome to the marketplace because I have found relations with pensions which is something that preoccupies you increasingly as you get into your 40s and 50s. I found certain aspects of the pension industry completely baffling in the sense that I once I once stood on stage and said um, it was an audience of people from financial services. And I said, OK, here's a thought experiment. Imagine I give you £500 now and I say you can keep that so long as you pay the £500 into your pension before you get home this evening. How many of you know how to do that? In other words, how many people know how to top up your pension by £500 from a phone, from a laptop? Of an audience of people working in financial services, one person put up their hand, and they work for Goldman Sachs, amusingly. Okay. Now, there's something really crazy, because um, – Paying extra money into a pension is made absurdly bureaucratic and difficult, for example. Um, uh, you know, managing a pension is weirdly feels like a remote. And there's something about it which just still has a whiff of the 1950s. So I, I, I once said to another audience, you know, imagine you have a sudden windfall of £10,000. OK, um, uh, what, you know, what would you do with it? And, you know, of the options, one of them was add it to your pension. And a vanishingly small number of people had even thought of taking occasional windfalls and using them to top up a pension. And part of the reason is, I think, that because it's difficult to do, 
Okay, we don't do it because in order to pay five hundred pounds into my pension, I'd have to find a weird address, write a check, you know, put the check in. I don't even know where my checkbook is. Okay, there's no mechanism in my bank account top up pension. But then weirder still, this is where it gets really strange because it's difficult to do. I think people automatically infer that they're not supposed to do it. And then finally, as someone else said to me, when you do put £2,000 into your pension, you don't get a letter of confirmation, you don't get a text, you don't get any reassurance. Instead, you've got to wait six months for your next pension statement to arrive, check that they credited the money you sent, um, and then just hope they've actually paid it in. So the whole system is bizarrely, for an industry where, you know, fintech has absolutely revolutionized the way we manage our current accounts. This industry just seems stuck in another era. Do you think that's fair? I mean, your CEO certainly did. Yeah, I think Romy, she founded Pension B uh, in 2015 because she had issues with moving her pensions from mm. one provider to another and actually end up making the wrong choices. I think the reason why people perceive it as very difficult is that it's a pension. Mm. So it's your life savings. It's not just trying no. a new bank account or a new managing app. It's actually something profound. That's in the that's how people perceive it. So they will tread with caution. Um, that's how we've been brought up to, 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 to make big financial decisions. And pension providers have also been um, uh, fueling that kind of perception that, you know, it's a serious thing. If you're trying to move, put some money into your pension, often how many warnings and disclaimers you have to tick boxes for in actually order to actually move that money into a pension pot. Um, and I think um, it's all, I, I guess it's all designed to make it um, uh, uh, quite an inaccessible product yes. and uh, inertia will kick in. If it's too hard, you won't touch it. Um, no. And I always say, um, when you want to sort out your pensions or you want to make a contribution or any of that sort, I'll do that on a Sunday afternoon when it's raining. Yes. But when it's raining, you still think it's too hard. So you will watch Netflix instead. And I think um, <laughs> turning that into something that's much more easier to understand. Are you, are you spying on my home? My goodness. Yes, that's absolutely true. No, 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 no. But I think I think that is what it is. If it's too hard to touch, you wouldn't, uh, you would just leave it. I think, you know what? That's just for another day. And for many pension providers, it's, it's been quite convenient because they will keep hold of your money. You won't move it or you won't do anything with it. Um, and, um, you know, they will earn lots of money from it. So they will profit from inertia. So that's why I think it's one of the reasons why it's been made particularly hard to actually take control over your retirement. And it's also interesting because it is undoubtedly an area where we just, a little like insurance in that respect, where we just don't want to think about it. You know, it's, it's dealing with yeah. consequences we yeah. don't want to think about particularly earlier in life. And... Uh, it's also tied up with the tax system, which makes it more bureaucratic as well, in a way, because you know there are a whole, yes. uh, you know, there's a whole series of kind of. I mean, interestingly, government doesn't really do very much to trumpet the tax advantages of paying, because effectively, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, you pay a thousand pounds into a pension, the government pays in another, let's say, four hundred, five hundred pounds. Okay, right. Yeah. Now, yeah, the tech, the tech stop up system is is fascinating, and once we actually explain that to customers, they get really switched on. So you know, if you think about it, the second you put anything into your pension in the first year, you're getting a fifty percent return. Well, there's nothing, or thirty percent return, or twenty percent return. There's nothing else in the financial industry which will help you do that, given the tax advantages of having a pension, and yet government pays the money in furtively which is the strange situation of a government giving you money but trying to keep quiet about it, which is very peculiar in a way. 
Now, obviously, you know, they're not giving you money. You could argue that it's for your own retirement. You've earned the money in the first place. But undoubtedly, the huge, you know, the huge tax benefits of this are basically, I would suspect most people, if you take the population as a whole, most people under 30 or 40 are more or less unaware of this. I'd also yeah. make the point, it's, it's, an, it's an area, but effectively, it feels like a savings encouragement scheme devised by the world's worst behavioural economist, because almost everything they do is designed to make uh, make the whole thing unattractive to deal with, including, by the way, something that strikes me as ridiculous, which is government spends a lot of time um, effectively uh, trying to uh, encourage people to start pensions younger and younger because the returns are disproportionately good from starting a pension earlier. But but the weird the weird thing to me is that it's actually given the degree of uncertainty in your life at the age of twenty five or thirty, it's ridiculous that pensions don't come with a short term, medium term drawdown facility where you can draw down ten percent of what you've saved to use because you know anything could happen. You could get extremely ill. You may want to get married. You may have kids. The idea at the age of twenty eight of putting money away that you won't see until you're sixty sixty five seems essentially absurd to a 28-year-old because the idea of being 60 when you're 28 is so remote as to be positively a parallel universe. But also, the fact that that money has basically gone, okay, for the next sort of 30 years, despite the fact that in the next 30 years you could have any number of unpredictable reasons that you may need to draw on it, seems just a fundamental design flaw, and it seems to be based on kind of 19th century technology. Yeah, I would then, so I agree. I think the system, of course, is a bit yeah. archaic. Um, pensions are a long-term investment, and I think when you are 25, you're, you are definitely not thinking no. about your retirement. You, mm. Actually, you're just starting with your working life, with your career. So you probably have like your first or your second job. What one thing I would say about pensions is, and this is also what's helped grow pension B, is the fact that auto-enrollment was introduced. So there's a couple yeah. of things uh, you need to make a conscious decision about, which is how much to save for happy retirement. Um, but when that was when there was no auto-enrollment, not a lot no. of people were saving for a happy retirement. So auto-enrollment has definitely fixed that. We're not there in the levels of contributions, but I mean, 8% at least is going into a pension every month. What was very interesting, by the way, about auto-enrollment, it's undoubtedly the, one of the behavioral sciences, behavioral economics' biggest success stories. And I think what they thought, they thought that about 20 to 30 people percent of people would opt out and in, in the event it was fewer than 10 percent of people opted out and part of that is a the decision is taken for you b it creates a social norm and c we feel safe having the same pension as people we know because if something starts and going you miss out on free money of course you miss you out miss you're out missing out on free money, money of course that, that, so so there, oh, yeah. the, the, so there was a financial incentive but it auto enrollment was a uh, was a genius idea in many respects i think so when you get auto enrollment what you create is something that's done for you so you don't yeah. have to worry about it but what you do have to worry about is don't lose track of them and this is where pension b came in yeah. so if government kind of solves the kind of like i need to save for retirement we can debate if that's enough or not but at least that is sorted and that generation is now growing up with 
with pension pots, whether they whether they really like them or not, but they get them. Um, solving the problem of don't make don't leave them behind when you move jobs, because yes. when you move house and you don't tell all your six providers that you actually moved house, it becomes a bit of a problem. So making sure that you consolidate them into a new plan that 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 message, and then take control and start planning for happy retirement, what you will do is you turn a cold purchase, Yes. because I'm not selling Ferraris, I'm no. selling a pension product, you're turning that into something that's actually quite exciting. And one sentence I always, we did a roadshow this year uh, uh, throughout the country in theaters to talk about how much you save for happy retirement. I always say you might be 25, but actually the average age of a pension B customer is 40. Yes. Um, and if you are 40, in 15 or 17 years' time, you can access that money. So it might feel yes. very far away, but actually, in 17 years' time, you not only for every pound you put in, the government will do a tax top up of at least uh, uh, 20% or 40%, depending on how much you, you, you earn. But also, when you take money out, the first 25% is tax free. Which ISA savings account would do that for you? So you will definitely get that message across when they're 40, but when they're 25, the, yes. the, the consolidation, the take control, the, the financial wellness, the financial take money into your own uh, hands certainly resonates. They don't necessarily contribute more, but at least they've got the, the stuff they've got saved, they've got it into one place and less thing to worry about. And they've got their pension in their pocket now. So with a life balance. So you do, you do can bring that to life. I mean, a very simple thing you could do is when you give information to people on a pension, you could actually divide the component that you've paid for and the component that the tax rebate has paid for so that you actually yeah. concretize the value you're getting from this tax rebate. Because at the moment, it's buried in the overall, the overall dollar amount. And... Um, so in a sense, people go, oh, dear, my pension's only gone up by 5% okay, every year. Well, of course, in reality, the money has effectively gone up much, much more. It's one of the most popular features of our product. It's exactly what you've described. It's exactly the breakdown in terms of what you get from the taxman, what you put in, what you get from pension transfers. Wow. Actually telling people how much they've got from the government uh, is often feedback we receive yes. and they just didn't realize no. how much money that actually is. And then also 25% will be tax-free. So, yeah, I think we, we as an industry certainly haven't done enough to bring that to life. And we'll always smokescreen it with lots of disclaimers and risk warnings, as in your capital can go down as well as up, um, don't, um, risk of loss, uh, scaremongering. But actually, there's a really positive story to tell about that. And that's what really drove Pension B uh, to become uh, an online pension provider in the UK. And it's been a hard journey. Direct consumer brand is building. It's, it's really it's hard. Really, really but that's one of the ways we can cut Yes, and but offering simplicity, transparency, and uh, a positive message around pension is, I guess, what, cut, what gives us the cut through in building a pension. Plan. Have you thought of white labeling your interface to other pension providers? Yes, we did. You did, and Good. Uh, we've had quite we've had quite some interest for that as well. The reality is that um, the as much as that could like. The, 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 We've built our own pension administration system, for example, Honeycomb, um, and which well, helps uh, to administrate that. Uh, but the reality is that um, when it comes to actually offering a white label, you've also got to manage the funds, etc. And most most banks or insurance companies wouldn't be as interested in such. No. Um, also, 
we want to stay laser focused in building that brand. We personally, I still go to work every day after eight years, uh, knowing that we've still got a lot of things to prove and to build. So, and so does our uh, our management team and our, our founders. Um, and we actually need to stay laser focused on solving this particular problem and not solving other people's problems. It, it is, I mean, one of the things you learn and which, you know, building a new market is just extraordinarily painful isn't it you know building a new channel a new market um i mean obviously you profit from huge efficiencies elsewhere by not having to go through intermediaries so there is that advantage but it is very difficult indeed um do you i mean i'm very impressed by the way by your average age which seems you know impressively young i suspect um, for a pension provider, is that true? Does it does that differ from? We are on the young side. I mean, when we started Pension B, it was early thirties. So when we started, our, for example, our main uh, we we do mostly acquisition related uh, activities on digital channels. So Instagram and Facebook were our biggest acquisition channels in the early days. So the average age was quite young. But as we are maturing as a brand, that age has gone up. But I would say compared to a pension provider or a wealth manager, I think we're probably five six years below the average. I think a mid-40s is probably what you would expect from a SIP, uh, a self-invested personal pension provider or yes. an investment platform. Yeah, that, that is impressive. And, uh, and I suspect, of course, actually, um, you know, part of that just reflects cohort effects where when you first started, because you've actually been there since, if I'm right, 2015. Is that, no, it can't be right. Can you? You've been there that long. I know. You have been there eight years. Congratulations. Yeah, see the great... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See the gray hairs and the, and the, and the wrinkles. Yes. That's what, that's what, that's what happens. But, um, uh, it's a really, really kind of fascinating business to build, to build that brand, which I think is always hard to do because the returns are back end weighted. The returns to brand building as opposed to pure acquisition activity tend to be back end weighted. And actually the payoff when it comes is disproportionately hard, but there's always I think there's always a mistake that's made in in with a lot of digital brands, which is they want their advertising to wash its own face. In other words, they've bought into this idea that every advertisement should pay for itself. Now, in truth, I think what what that causes is it causes people to advertise too little at the beginning when naturally the growth is going to be slow. And then when you do reach kind of escape velocity and become a brand, you become a thing. A lot of that success is due, is down to the advertising you did earlier. But of course, it's never accounted for in the investment at the time. Because of course, it is a category where familiarity is kind of vital, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think a couple of things, reasons why we chose the path we've chosen. Uh, first of all, on a personal note, I always wanted a brand from scratch and turn it into something yes. really nice and exciting. I come from financial services. So I used to work in business insurance uh, in the UK before I moved to the UK, uh, when, when I moved to the UK. And I could see the potential if you can build trust and people could truly believe in uh, the product and the service you offer and you are the right provider for them. Uh, how hard, it's really hard to do, but if you can do that, the rewards are huge. So that was how I come into this particular role when I moved to a startup with five people and one million of seed uh, capital. I think that was what we did from the start, five people in a room in a shared workspace. Then there is the, the, the understanding from the people who who are in the team. The management team hasn't actually changed since the start. Most, Almost everybody is still there. We know that building trust in financial services is hard. We come from financial services brand. So we also know that it takes time. 
one takes effort. And yes, the return on advertising spent on a brand channel such as TV advertising won't be won't be an immediate effect. You will no. see a particular effect, but actually over the long term you will see that. So the understanding of that mechanic is there. Uh, CMO tuners are like kind of around two to three years on on average. Yes. I've been around for eight years, so consider myself furniture. That's very welcome to but, hear. Yeah. Um, mm. The reality is, the reality is, it's unusual for marketers or a CMO to be in a role for such a long time. But you will can you will be able to see it through through the end. We're not there yet, but we are well on the way. Um, and by you know, you start with acquisition channels from the start, but then as soon as you possibly can, you will start to invest in that brand. We certainly started to do that from 2018 onwards, two years after we started. We tested some channels, product market fit, all the things you need to do as a startup. But understanding, do they just see you as a consolidation service or do they see you as their provider of, of course, choice? Of then brand building comes in and that takes time. And you can measure these things. You can see how many pension pots they consolidate with you when they join you can see the average pension balance per customer the average age if you're older you will think twice before moving your money to a startup i wouldn't so why would you so it's 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 brand building and building trust came quite early in the process so in a way pension in a sense pension consolidation is kind of the gateway drug to a pension provision yes yeah so it's the acceptable it's the acceptable. I had a very interesting conversation with Rick Rubin, the music producer, who, of course, was famous for Walk This Way, which kind of introduced rap into the mainstream. His idea was that rap on its own was too strange for the for music customers to acknowledge it. But if you produced a hybrid of the two, it would effectively enable yeah. people to, uh, you know, you know, switch horses. It was a bridge. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's yeah. interesting. Very interesting. So so we don't solve the problem, thou shall save more for your no. future, because when you're 25, 35, you don't really think about that. You think about your career, et cetera. Yeah. What we are solving is you've got multiple pensions. They're all over the place. Yeah. You don't know where they are. You might lose track of them. You don't know what's in it. How can you on earth are you going to save for the future? So problem, pen, uh, pensions all over the place, solution. In a few clicks, it literally takes minutes and we are transferring your pensions over. Then you've got one pot, one balance. Yes. You can, for the first time, you can actually see it moving on a daily basis. You start to understand how that actually works, that pensions can go down and up. And, and, how, and you can see the projection in the calculator. What happens then? People are starting to get switched on and they will set up contributions or they will move more pensions into it. So it's the initial thing. They aren't prepared to take control over their financial future. It's too much. I need to speak to an advisor, etc. What you're actually doing, you this is the gateway of taking control over your retirement or your financial future. And I wish more pension providers would follow down that path because everybody got lost pots. So that is the main reason why Pension B has grown so much and actually resisting product diversification from the, from the, from the start and actually being keep focused on solving that particular problem. The only extra problem role we are now solving since the last two years is what do you do when you're actually going to retire yes. and how do you take that money out? That's another problem point. And when you are 55 or over, try to get some money out of your pension pot. I wish you all the luck in the world, but it probably involves a lot of paperwork, if at all possible. So I would say well, we only well, focus on those I'll, two I'll give you an example of this, problems. okay, in my own life, which is the vice chairman of a company. 
But I hate to say this, but I delegate all these things to my wife because I just don't understand them. Okay. I mean, I genuinely, I, I find the entire navigation of this category just, I mean, it's, it, it's like something from sort of Soviet Russia. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, it is kind of terrifyingly weird. Yeah. One interesting question. Have you ever explored brand partnerships? Because it strikes me that that could be, if you're a small startup, one of the interesting things you can do is find a complementary business and their brand provides the kind of uh, reassurance of scale and your brand provides them with cool. We do. Uh, we actually continuously to, continue to look at it. So we've yeah. got a couple of brand partnerships in place. So to give you an example, and that was from there from the start from day one, we don't manage your money. We use the world's biggest and largest money managers in the world, such as State Street, BlackRock, HSBC, and Legal in general. Got it. So depending on the plan you pick. Why do we do that? Those are big brands. Those brands are not going to reach consumers directly. Uh, we do. Yes. Um, but if it's, un- it's, it's going to be super unlikely that BlackRock won't be there next year. Yes. So it's a trust, <laughs> it's a trust element. So terrifying about brand that. partnerships. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, for BlackRock, it's great that we use BlackRock uh, for their funds. Uh, we manage now uh, £3.7 billion in, in, in money, and BlackRock is one of the beneficiaries of those. So for them, it's great news. For us, it's great news because BlackRock is not a money manager that would cease to exist next no. next year. And customers trust that they will have the right mechanics and investment expertise in place, uh, rather than a startup that might be managing stocks and shares on a spreadsheet. God knows, we don't want that. No. So it's brand partnerships in that that sense are really, really important. Uh, and um, even in payments, so although might not be as known by consumers, but we use Plat uh, for very easy contribution to your pension. Clickety-click and it's in your pension. It's it's through open banking. But actually that little logo of Plat does exist when you make a payment. Um, and we use other brands like Starling Bank, for example, uh, where customers can see their pension be balanced in their Starling app. So it's incredibly important if you choose your partner, your brands wisely. Well, absolutely fantastic. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've got a little thing. We always have a tradition here, which is called two top challenges, or top two challenges, rather. And we even have a jingle for it, which will be uh, interposed probably now. Top two challenges brought to you by Alf Insight. Alf Insight helps media owners, agencies and marketing service providers improve their new business pipelines by equipping them with in-depth insights, accurate information and daily news updates on the leading and challenger brands in the UK. Alf also helps sports clubs, venues and charities with new partnership deals. Alf Insight identifies the brands to target at the right time, providing everything you need to tailor the perfect pitch. Visit Alfinsight, that's ALFinsight.com, or click the link in the episode description to find out more. Uh, so firstly, what is the biggest challenge for Pension B? That's the first question. And secondly, what's the most pressing challenge for the pension sector as a whole? So there's kind of one brand-specific question and one category question. The biggest challenge for Pension B is a lot of people know us now, mm. Uh, we've got a partnership uh, with Brentford, the Premier League football club. We do a lot of TV advertising. Uh, we're building a lot of trust. Uh, 52% of the people in the UK know us now, and that was 24% only just over a year ago. So massive increase. However, will they see Pension B as their provider of choice or just a consolidation surface on the side? Yeah. That's my challenge that I need to solve. If we can crack that... That means that they will move all of their pension savings over to us, not just one or two small pots. That's the biggest challenge for Pension B. Um, um, and uh, yeah, and that's what uh, me and the marketing team and the product team are working very hard to do. And in sympathy with consumers, we have a very strong don't put all your eggs in one basket heuristic rule, don't we? We were taught that kind of by our parents. Um, and so yes. this idea that yes. you should diversify is very, very strong. And people, I mean, funnily enough, I'm yes. in pension consolidation, and it leaves me just weirdly anxious. Um, and, uh, so that is that is a tough challenge. It's a tough challenge because you are actually not putting all your eggs in one basket if you do no, that, because the fund you invest in will invest all over the world in thousands no. of the, diverse, the diversification is for, built in, but, but for, it feels but for like people, it. it's still one yeah. app, one login. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's definitely the challenge we're trying to solve here. I think the challenge for the pensions industry in general is that we've got to solve that retirement gap in terms of how much to save for happy retirement. Because in the old days, everything was done for us. Um, don't worry about it. Uh, your advisor and your pension provider are on the case. Yes. But with uh, pensions freedoms, we actually now got the ability to choose what we want to do. Do we want to draw down? Do we want to buy an annuity? Do we want to do a mix of those? Um, how much do I need to contribute? Now, parts of it is still solved by our, our employer for old enrollment, yes. but I would say 80% isn't. And the industry has not done anything meaningful to help us to make uh, those financial decisions. So that's the challenge. And um, um, uh, and I think that is, you know, historically uh, been a problem. 
but I think you've got to wake up and smell the coffee here because as a pension provider, there will be providers like Pension B and others increasingly uh, offering a solution for those savers. Um, and as an industry and a whole, we've got to provide people the tools and the confidence. The pension at some point becomes not only an economic question, it's a philosophical question. Because one of the things I'm conscious of at 57 is that in choosing the date of your retirement, you're kind of playing a game of chicken with your own mortality, by which I mean, leave it too late and you end up with a very prosperous retirement, but which only lasts two years, you know, go too early and there's a corresponding problem. I suspect what we'll see as a trend is increasingly with flexible work, because a lot of people quit work as much because they want to stop commuting as because they want to stop work, okay? I think we will see a, a cohort of people or a group of people who taper off. In other words, they go from working full-time to part-time to retirement rather than making the retirement date this absolute line in the sand. So I think that might be an interesting, yeah. that might be an interesting trend to watch for. Because if you don't, in a sense, if you don't do that, that, it's a huge gamble because... Uh, you, you know, your employer, to some extent, has all the cards. You know, uh, you, you can either stay or you can leave. There's two interesting things happening, actually. And, um, you know, it's really interesting because I can see that uh, consumer behavior through our data platform. So, first of all, people do access their money from the age of 55. Mm. Um, but they take small chunks out yes. and they continue to work because... Roy, do you feel like you're a pensioner you, uh, no. at 57? No, of course no. you're not. You're still working and you're enjoying the things you do. So what I, I go even further more, and say that more to, and more people. I go even further and say that to quit work absolutely on one day is probably bad for you in all kinds of ways. Uh, you know, yeah. but actually, some you know, some degree of work provided you're well enough to actually do it uh, is actually healthy and actually makes your leisure more enjoyable because yeah. it's a it's a contrast thing. You know, that actually with no work, devoting your entire life just to kind of selfish pursuits, uh, probably, you know, um, actually it becomes, even if your pension is spectacular, it becomes slightly mindless, I suspect. But we see people just taking small chunks and they continue to work. Um, and the other problem that we see is that people actually don't spend their pension. So um, there's still the savings mentality that happens well into the 60s. And actually, you, when you're in your 60s and 70s, that's probably when you spend most of your pension. When you're getting older, you're not going to make that world cruise at 95. So you've you've got to, you've got to, it, it's, it's a complex matter, but people inherit will inherit lots of pension money from their family uh, and others uh, inherited pension pots because people just will not like consume it all uh, so quickly. And you know, when are you going to die? It, it's just it's really actually difficult a really interesting understand. thing I've noticed in a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, I think I've managed to solve it with my father, uh, who's in his nineties and ninety three. But you get a certain generation of people who, to be honest, there isn't that much they're going to spend large amounts of money on, but they become absolutely terrified of money running out. And of course, you know, I mean, yeah. depending on what, how much you want children to inherit and so forth, there's, a, you know, there's a clear balance there. But it's, uh, you know, if you knew that if you knew the date of your own death, people would behave completely differently, you know, Um and so that is, yeah, that is yeah. so you, one of one of the insights you have is that generally it's your sixties and early seventies in which you spend more, and then I mean, there's also the advantage of being older that actually one of the reasons you need to spend less as you get older is first of all you own more things, 
okay, you know, so, you know, the need to actually buy material goods diminishes. Um, but there's also the fact that you know what you like. <laughs> By that stage in life, yes. you know, you know the things that are actually meaningfully enjoyable and you know the things that you don't, you know, that you can take or leave. And also, of course, an awful lot of our expenditure when we work, I think, is kind of um, uh, is driven by the fact that we have limited free time. And uh, and so uh, as a consequence, we want to make the free time we have really count by doing something significant. And that possibly changes. One of the reasons I suppose gardening is so popular because it's both highly time consuming and relatively inexpensive. But um, that, I mean, that is interesting because it's, it's very difficult, I think, to look at a salary and then project forward as though what, what you spent while you're in the workplace is what you'll spend evenly. What's interesting, though, is that finally, recently, the the pension uh, the pension association came up with some figures um, that actually tells people if you want a basic retirement, this is how much you need per year. Yes. If you want a comfortable retirement, this is what you need per year. Um, up until recently, nobody was giving you these figures because the 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 financial advisor industry will tell no 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 this is different for everybody. You need to have a chat with us in order to understand what your personal circumstances are. Just giving people some guidelines, just like we did with auto enrollment, x amount of percent should be saved to a pump. This is the amount of money you need per year. Pension B has a pension calc a retirement calculator attached to their beehive, so your balance is then projected in terms of, okay, so when do you want to retire? Um, and this is, uh, and how money, and what's the chance of that money will last you until the end? It looks at the the average life expectancy. Um, if you then know what the what a good retirement should be or a bad retirement or a good or a basic retirement, then at least you can start thinking, okay, you know what? I'm actually having quite a decent pot now. Um, and to, so giving people some guidelines um, without starting to get really agitated that it's financial advice. Actually, these things are kind of common information and we need to make sure that we enlighten people with that information um, so they can take control. Um, so I think that's, uh, and especially we are campaigning and arguing to all the industry that we've got to do more of this. Interesting. And actually, I think the, uh, you know, there is an interesting new dimension, which is that, as I said, people will have the opportunity, knowledge workers will have the opportunity to partially work in early retirement if they wish. I think, you know, I think the gig economy is potentially a benefit because uh, kn knowing that that knowing that all your sources of future income disappear the moment you retire was undoubtedly something which, you know, it was a massive wake-up call, and perhaps that's less true. You also have the big advantage, I think, at the moment, which I'm, uh, you know, which is that too many people in Britain regarded property ownership as their kind of ersatz pension, and with effectively falling property prices, one of the interesting things is that I think that delusion, which it was to a degree, you know, that delusion has probably been punctured a little bit. Also, you want to, you know, yeah, my property is my pension. That's great, but you live in it, yes. and um, and the and the, and also, so that so how do you so if you unless you want to do some complicated financial structures like equity release, uh, or you want to downsize is, dramatically, well, you know what, yeah. I, I downsize. 
Rory, people don't downsize. No, they don't. This is the reality. No. Um, and if they downsize, they want to go to a really nice ret- uh, retirement apartment with a big balcony overlooking the Thames. I live in Brentford, quite close yeah, to the I Thames. I live in the house. If I'm on the mo- if I'm on the move to an apartment next mm. to the waterside, I probably pay the equal amount mm. uh, for the privilege. Um, so, do I really want to live out, uh, above a supermarket uh, uh, um, uh, in the back alley uh, yes. because I'm downsizing? So this is the reality, and mm. also. Um, you know, I live in London, great city. Will I live here forever? I don't know. No. But do I, unless I'm going to uh, move all the way to an island of the Hebrides in Scotland, uh, where the house prices are lower, I probably will steal quite a lot of money. So people are generally disappointed how much money they actually get if they do that, if they do it at all. No, so and then the moving costs, the moving costs can be quite significant. Yeah, You've yeah, also accumulated a huge amount of, of stuff and furniture, which you have to dispose of. Yeah. It's not actually yes. no. You're, you're, that, I mean, I think I think that's very interesting because the conversation about you know data and information about what people actually do in retirement punctures a lot of delusions. And you're quite right. My house is worth a yeah. lot of money, but I live on it. And the kind of house you'd want to yeah. move to, let's say, further from London, um, unless you're you know there will be people who are prepared to make a completely dramatic move. But by and large, it doesn't release as much as people are hoping for. Yeah. No, but buying a house. And paying off a mortgage, although a big position, is is relatively easy to understand. Understanding your pension is not easy to understand. So I just leave it. And therefore, a lot of people have just focused on the stuff they get, which is a house, maybe a save, instant savings account. For example, some people draw down their pension at 55, completely getting, by the way, a massive tax bill. And they pop it into a cash ISA that gets like 0.1% interest. Well, up until recently, it was that low. Um, but it's just because they don't understand how pensions work. So if you can take people, let's say, control, like we do on a consolidation basis, and actually the education journey starts, our retention rate is currently 97% plus. So if they, they stay, once they join, they actually stay. So you've got an opportunity to actually educate people through newsletter. We've got in-app content. So depending on who you are, you get different information or a different podcast episode or a different video. But as a result, they then start to understand, ah, so this is what text, this is what the text top-up actually means. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. I need to save more. Um, they've got a calculator and suddenly they think, okay, I've got eighteen thousand pounds a year if I if, if I continue to do what I do. If I up it with two hundred fifty pounds a month now, that gives me another two thousand pounds a year when I retire at sixty six or sixty seven or sixty three. That those things, once they start to understand how it works, you will see that actually the house suddenly isn't the most important thing anymore. They now have got another one that that thing that understands, and they're really going for it. And, and actually, I mean, that's those, those interactive in, in, those interactive graphical charts are an absolute gift to the pension industry, aren't they? Because effectively the ability to play with different variables, because we're very bad as humans at making decisions that involve too many variables. So we tend to reduce it into like amount, date of retirement. Okay. And the ability to play with those variables and actually see the sometimes disproportionate effect that, you know, two more years working, whatever it may be, will have is really, really absolutely essential to making this thing comprehensible. Because without those, yeah. that kind of data graphic uh, facility, it's basically impossible to, you know, to, to, to make a decision. Do you, do you also think there's a demographic problem where you have generally the wealthy are fairly astute uh, with pension provision? 
or at least they give it a lot of their attention and they have oh, more yeah. money to put in. There's a fundamental underserved 50% of the population here. Well, 50%, can I just yeah, it's probably say 80%? 80. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, a financial advisor generally won't help you if your wealth is less than £100,000 or whatever the figure is. But the average pension pot for people in the UK is just shockingly £52,000 or yes. fifty. I think that's the figure I recently saw. A lot of people will be, we call it the advice gap. They won't be seen by anyone. Um, so we've got to come up with solutions that will help the people who might not have £250,000 in wealth. Um and um, and and that is the big the big problem. Big financial providers uh, like incumbent pension providers will work only through financial advisors, and financial advisors will only work with you if you've got X amount of money. So the direct to consumer solutions that PensionB offers will help you to crack. Uh, that advice gap that exists, um, but it's a combination of the industry willing to go direct to customers with things they understand and are accessible for any people of any wealth, yes. um, and second, the government and the regulator making it possible to uh, offer uh, for us to uh, us and other providers to offer guidance tools that uh, we won't classify as financial advice but give people clear guidance in terms of what their options are so we're nowhere near where we should be um, and that's why as pension b me and the team are still on a mission really really interesting i i, I think there is also scope for some of the insights for behavioural economics to be deployed in designing pensions for younger people. Because if you're in that poorer, certainly if you're in the poorest 25% of the population, maybe even more, life's very largely a cash flow problem. And there's quite a lot of evidence that shows that if you have access in an emergency to a small four-figure sum, the figure quoted is sometimes £3,000, okay? But if you can get your hands on £3,000 in an emergency, you are, in a sense, inordinately better off <coughs> because you don't have that extraordinary cash flow disruption when you're living hand to mouth. I mean, some people, interestingly, both on the political right as well as the left, have actually suggested that there should be a kind of part of welfare should be effectively giving people a lump sum they can draw on early in life. Now, there is the risk that people squander it, but generally speaking, people don't. And I think there is scope for turning a pension into something which is accessible in the short to medium term in small amounts just to just to enable a lot of people to escape yeah. this kind of cash flow trap Rory, you've got a problem you've got a you've got a point there yeah. um, um, and actually with the um, I mean with pensions freedom what happened is that people were able to access their pension not at 65 but already at 55 yes. and the doommongers amongst us said oh they're going to buy Ferraris and yes. you know they uh, you know going to buy a house and kitchens and there's nothing left for retirement nothing can be further mm. off the truth people are actually quite sensible in taking that money out so I mean I'm not here advocating today in the podcast let's just open up pension pots from the age of 25 but I think, um, depending on how people have managed that opportunity... You can easily automate it so that if you do take out £2,000, your contributions go up pro rata for the next two years until you've returned to where you could were be. before. There are lots of things you could do. Yeah. But it seems to me yeah. that to any 26-year-old, not unreasonably... I, I, mean, I, I once went to a number 10 Downing Street meeting on pensions, and, I, and they were talking about how to get younger people to save. And I said, you can do that. But you've got to remember that people in their 20s, the principal preoccupation is probably finding a life partner rather than, you know, rather than saving for retirement. <laughs> and that if you want to find a life partner, generally not many people on Tinder 
uh, talk about you know how large their pension is in their twenties. I'm sure people in their sixties do, but you know that you know that that we do in different phases of life. We just have different preoccupations. Yeah. It's not entirely unreasonable. And, and so, but I like the idea. I like the idea, Rory. I like the idea, Rory, of uh, being. Uh, why don't I invite you and the pensions minister on our podcast to discuss this? I think would be quite an. Uh, I, th- I think. I think there's a lot. Topic. I think there's a lot you can do because there's a terrifying statistic, and it's a very large percentage of the American population can't get their hands on kind of two thousand dollars in an emergency. Yeah, and you know, or if they do, it involves credit cards or worse. You know, loan sharks, and. Yeah. That seems to be crazy that there are people with large credit card balances in a you know in a in a world where people also have pension balances that are eight times larger. You know that doesn't seem a sensible yeah. kind of allocation of resources. Well, that no. that's been absolutely fantastic. I think you've answered both uh, questions. Um, so you invested um, two point nine million on advertising in Q one alone. Uh, it's um, your largest ab- above the line uh, spend on record. Uh, you, re- you renewed your Brentwood FC sponsorship for two more years. It's very shrewd. Uh, what next for Pension B in its marketing and sponsorship strategy without giving away any trade secrets? Are there any specific marketing challenges or opportunities you're looking at at the moment? So I think the the Brentford sponsorship has been really interesting um, because it's, I would say, it's a very upper funnel activity where, uh, you know, you, you have yes. the opportunity to show your brand. Uh, to uh, For us, the problem was like, we need, people need to know who we are. So that's solving a really, that's a really great way to actually cut through. Yes. And the Brentford Bees and Pension B, we found it was a really nice combination uh, to go about. They are just after 74 years being promoted to the Premier League. Um, so they're kind of a new kid on the block. I was going to so say, are we. So I was going to say that was incredibly shrewd. <laughs> selection so uh so it's been a, it's been a great partnership so far but what it does is we are reaching eight and a, 18 and a half million people who watch premier league football every single week um and uh with quite a lot of led time we're on the shirt etc so it's a really great way to to increase a brand awareness uh, and sports sponsorships actually provide really excellent value for money i mean generally for every pound you put in the media value you derive is around five to six pounds um, and I think um, there's not a lot of other brand channels where you can achieve this kind of similar I mean, I mean, kind of I mean, very famously, but- Cornhill by sponsoring the test match. Now, obviously, they were sold through in- intermediaries. Yeah. But the intermediaries said, the problem I had with Cornhill is whenever I recommended Cornhill, people said, who are they? And the moment I could say, they're the people who sponsor the Cornhill test matches. This is cricket, obviously, not, uh, uh, not soccer. But the moment you could answer that question, oh, they're those people one major hurdle yeah. and kind of perceptual obstacles being kind of removed. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a really, really interesting fact. So we're using a sports sponsorship. We have been using primetime television. So for example, advertising around the Great British Bake Off, Google Box, but also the Martin Lewis Money Show. Mm. Um, big audiences. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we started with daytime TV, but actually we've much more do primetime TV as well these days. What we will find is there is a rational decision making. You know, are these good? These guys good with my money? Uh, will they still be around? Um, um, what's their fee? Mm. What's their performance, etc. Like very rational decision making. But there's um that the emotional layer um around well first of all, how does pension be make you feel? Yes. That's one of the things we can we can really 
get through our brand activity uh, very, very well. The second thing is once they've seen you on TV or on a billboard or during a Premier League match, they think, oh, you know what? They're, they're good. They're good. They're decent. They're around. Whether that's true or not, that's a different discussion. But naturally, there's a perception. This is a household brand. So I trust them. If you do the long of it, if you invest in the long term future, you're obviously uh, effectively a brand that's investing in long term activities yeah. clearly plans to stay around. Yeah. Okay, because one of the things that we instinctively differentiate between is the brand that's a kind of, uh, you know, what you might call, you know, the market trader in a van who can disappear tomorrow and the person who invests in a shop who's, you know, has all the fit out costs and they're patently planning to make a long term go of it rather than selling you a dodgy kebab and, you know, (laughs) and moving to the next town, as it were. Yeah. So there is something we instinctively understand about those kind of long term brand investments that they're an investment in futurity and generally people who people generally people who are long-term greedy are more trustworthy than people who are short-term greedy. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the, that's the strategy of choosing those particular channels in terms of running campaigns. So TV advertising out of home, we've done quite a lot in the past, Uh, the sports sponsorship. We're looking potentially at another sponsorship, um, uh, particularly in women's sports. I'm mm. being really interesting to bridge the the, the pension uh, gender gap, uh, and I think that's a really nice way to to, to to do that as well. Um, but we 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 kind of halved the amount of money we have to spend to acquire a customer. Uh, in quite a relative, in in just a couple of years' time, acquiring customers in financial services is very expensive. Um, And if you play it well and you build a brand well, you will reap the benefits of it. And therefore, we've seen to, you know, if you look at our latest results, we're accelerating in customer growth. But actually, our marketing spend is kind of flat or even going down a little bit. Now, I'm not saying we just held back spend. Actually, we don't need to spend as much money. That's that's one of the great long-term benefits, which is that actually, yeah. once established, there is that kind of escape velocity. Do you get b- b- new customers through referrals? We do. I would say around 10 to 15% of our customers will probably come through. And often they are partners. So, like, Rory, your wife is managing your finances. Um, mm. You can totally see how Rory would join Pension B through, for, 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 for the partner. Uh, and that's what we see quite a lot, actually. Um, and we've made pensions, I think, cool in a way that it's now a birthday party conversation you wouldn't talk about this stuff a couple of years ago but we've heard quite some stories from customers who will say i talked about you through my friends at the birthday party or or when we got together um and i showed you i showed them the app like suddenly this openness about financial service financials amongst uk consumers especially it's been quite striking but it has driven quite some referrals over to yes because it was a conversational no-go area as recently as sort of five that, that's oh yeah that, that's one area where a really good app can actually be a talking point. I think that's brilliant. Well, all I can say is, Jasper, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute delight to chat. You've been listening to On Brand with Alf and Rory Sutherland. If you want to do business with Pension B or any other pension brands, contact the Alf Insight team on their website, which is www.alfinsight.com. Uh, you can also find the link in the episode description below. Uh, the series is produced and expertly edited by Ultimate Content. And to make sure you receive the next episode, please do subscribe and thereby tweak the algorithm. And better still, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then give us a like as well. All that remains for me to say is thanks for listening and see you next time. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.